All right. Well, good morning, guys. Um, we're kind of doing a early Sunday edition morning of this. I know, well, not for you, Jacob. I know it's a little later in the afternoon, but it's about 1130 for me, about 930 for Brett. And yeah, we had some some things going on, so we decided to record one earlier. Welcome, everybody. I hope everyone's staying safe and everyone's having a good weekend so far. Um, today, we're just going to, you know, just shoot the breeze, I guess. Just three people talking about basketball. I know we're all excited for the Michael Jordan documentary or Chicago Bulls documentary tonight. I know that I got it recorded on my TV. I know it's on ESPN, ESPN2, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of chatter about that. And we'll definitely get a podcast recorded for everybody and, and release kind of our thoughts on what we thought of it, of at least the first episode. I know it's, I know there's one episode and two episodes are back to back. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But um, Jacob, how you hanging in there, man? How's uh, how's quarantine going? How, how's the weekend going? Oh, well, we just got told last week that we're getting at least three more weeks of this lockdown. We got a fun, um, fun little bend in the rules, apparently, because they had to um, they had to clarify, like, because we're still allowed out to exercise and stuff. It's not like the rest of Europe is on real lockdown. Like, you can't go out to exercise. If you go into the shops, it has to be one person. We're allowed. We've got a bit more freedom. But they just clarified that. If you're living with your wife or your husband and you two have an argument, you're allowed to go and stay at a friend's house. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it's like a weird loophole they put in the rules. So, yeah, um, and honestly, man, I need, I need some weed, something, and just start an argument with the missus. And then <laughs> go and stay in with the mate. It's, it's just, yeah, yeah. But, but you, you guys are having a good time in America, I see. Everyone's there. Uh, definitely not freaking out <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i know brett you said something there was something going down in san diego yesterday mm-hmm. or something like that yeah yeah it was a um i guess they were they were you know the same stuff that's been happening uh in a few cities across the country these past few days um you know they're basically protesting against the stay-at-home order um or at least the you know the degree to which it's been implemented um, yeah, it's kind of insane to me that um, that people would protest against proven life-saving measures, um, especially when that protest entails congregating in public during uh, the midst of a pandemic. It, it seems insane. And uh, it's kind of a slap in the face, I think, to, to everybody who's obeyed these these orders. And, you know, a lot of people have made sacrifices. And um, I think it's a slap in the face to the, the healthcare workers that are you know, risking their lives every day going into their hospitals. Um, you know, I think these protests are a, a slap in the face to everyone that's died um, because of this virus. Yeah. Um, it's it's really uh, it's really hard to comprehend the the thought behind this. You know, when it's the the people that are clamoring most loudly for these lockdowns to end are going out of their way to do the very thing that will prolong them and. Um, it just seems so ass backwards. It's not even funny. And, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's infuriating. I won't, I won't let myself get started on it, but, but yeah, that's, what's been, that's, what's been happening here. Um, the whole thing's just become politicized. People have kind of taken sides on it, which again, seems ridiculous considering it's, um, it's sort of a, a, a science-based thing. Um, it's, it's, this is, has not, should have nothing to do with, with politics. And yet, um, you know, in America, um, it, it, it does now for some reason. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to do my part and uh, I'm still still staying safe. Um, it looks like here in California, we're we're going to be locked down for probably, I think, another month right now. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that go into June um, with, you know, the current settings. And then maybe they'll they'll uh, they'll ease it up a little bit. Um you know, hopefully in a, in a responsible way, but, you know, locally for the most part, I'm, I'm happy with how this has been handled, at least here in San Diego and in California. Um, so, but it's crazy. It's, it's a, it's a crazy time, my friends. It is. It is. And even, I know, I know this is what Jacob loves talking about. He loves talking about American politics. It, we just, (laughs) we we just had something in, in Wisconsin too. I mean, our governor, basically without without warning just kind of said hey we're going to extend it i think it's like may 26th or may 27th and we actually had a protest um just in a in a suburb west of milwaukee in brookfield and 
You know, I mean, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it. Obviously, I, I've, I've said before, you guys know, you know, my Mrs. Bucks and Six, she's, she's pregnant and she's, she's a psychiatric nurse. So she's, she's still working. I'm still working. So, I mean, and here in Wisconsin, it's not as bad as, as everywhere else. We still have, I'm like, I, I think I said on another pod, Home Depot's open, Menards is open. Yeah. You can still go to the grocery store. You can do, still do stuff like that. But, you know, I wouldn't have exactly protested. I think that's absolutely stupid. And, and similar to what you said, Brett, it, it kind of goes against what, what we've been doing and kind of a slap in the face, especially to healthcare workers. But, I mean, I do understand the frustration. I mean, I think people, I mean, we're coming on this time where we don't have a timeline. And to me, especially, I'm not even talking about the federal government and, and Trump. I don't really want to get into that. I mean, although we could, that, that could last a three-hour podcast. But <laughs> I, I, I think just from the, from the governor's point of view, you know, just explain to everybody what's going on. Like, hey, this is why, you know, California is doing this. I'm, I think California has actually been been okay, but especially Wisconsin, a hotbed state that, you know, it goes one year, it goes Republican, the next year it goes Democrat. You know, you gotta, you got kind of got to be on your game and explain yourself a little bit similar to like how Ryan Russillo would explain working out in his house or, or, <laughs> or something like that. Like, Hey, here's why we're doing this. We want to start easing these restrictions because Wisconsin is a huge, very, very large, you know, bar restaurant state. And you know, that those, those are all shut down. And I know I have a lot of friends, a lot, a lot of friends that either own bars or in the, uh, the service industry and, and, and they're hurting right now and mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're angry, they're upset. I mean, they, they, they understand that this thing is this coronavirus is it, it's real, but at the same time, you know, no one's helping them with the paycheck or anything. How are they supposed to pay rent or mortgages or things like that? Yeah. So, I mean, I get, I get the frustration and I do think, you know, not only, not only the government, but you know, the media, you know, start, start informing people on what's really going on. You know, I, I just listened to this thing, I listen to Bill Maher's show every Friday and he had this thing where he just basically just dragged the media through the, through the woodshed on some of the stuff, like just the headlines, like coronavirus and showing pictures of like these mass graves that they're doing and things like that. And, you know, I get it, but it, it, it can easily get misconstrued as, as scare tactics and things like that. So I, I get it. I understand it. I, you know, probably similar to you guys, I don't have the right answer, but I do. I remember seeing, I texted, two of my buddies uh, yesterday when, when I saw those protests and, you know, one, one was kind of like, Oh, like this is, you know, this is America. They can't tell us to do this or that. Like I get it and all this other stuff. And I just responded back like, man, I just want sports back. And this yeah. is, gonna, well, this is, this, this is going to just delay sports coming That's back the thing. You know, in general. And it, it's just, yeah. it's, it's selfish of me to say that. Like I get it, but it just, I just want to watch sports. Like yesterday, I know we were all talking was supposed to be, you know, the start of the playoffs. Like it keeps coming up on my Snapchat. Like, you know, a year ago I was at game two. I was at game one. Shout out to you again, Molly Hunter. I, I hope Don Maker's okay. I hope he's alive still. Um, but it, it just, you know, it, it just sucks. You know, this was supposed to be an exciting time for not only myself, it, it, just as a sports fan in general, like all the stuff you had, you would have had March Madness that got canceled. You know, I was supposed to go to Vegas for that. That's canceled. Spring training, you know, and opening day was supposed to be last month. And obviously the NBA playoffs to me, it's the most exciting time. At least, at least we have the NFL draft coming up on Thursday, but it, it just sucks, man. Like life without sports, just it's, it's, it's not the same. And it just, it, it, it's sad and it sucks because there's no one really has a, a right answer on what to do. Yeah, no. And, and just to, um, just to clarify too, like my earlier point, like I, you know, I've, I've, I'm a strong proponent of our right to protest. You know, I, I, it's, it's an important part of being an American, but my, my issue with these protests is the way that they're doing it. Just, it's the worst thing you could possibly do in this situation where there's a Mm -hmm. pandemic and where this virus spreads so easily um, just congregating, you know, breaking all these social distancing protocols to protest is the wrong way to go about it. I think, um, and, there, and I don't, and again, I don't have the, the right answer, but it, you know, I think the best thing you could do is to, um, you know, there's things you can, you can maybe do online, um, you know, to voice your, your opinion or to write, um, to your local newspaper, um, and, and say why you believe that, um, you know, that the lockdown is too strict because I understand where, where those people, like you mentioned, are coming from. Like it, people are struggling big time right now. And I could see where they would, okay, let's, um, you know, let's bring this to a reasonable, um, easing up, you know, like let's, let's do it smart, but let's, let's open our businesses. You know, if they, if they, 
I understand where they're coming from with that. And I just think there's a better way to voice that opinion than standing two feet apart from one another with no with no masks, <laughs> uh, you know, crowded around Broadway in, in downtown San Diego. So that that's that's oh. that, that's my issue with it is just the the method, oh, not, not the message. Brad. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And my thing is, and I, I, I really want to hear Jacob's opinion of all this, just because I'm sure it's completely different over there. Or maybe it's not. But like, to me, it's more like then fucking vote, you know, like get get organized and get some people find a candidate that you want to back and go yeah. vote. Like if you're really upset about, you know, this state's governor or that state's governor, then then go vote them out. I, I, I mean, like I, I, I'm spot on with you, Brad, everything that you said, I, I, I agree with. Like, I, I get it. And there's no there's no, you know, right or wrong answer. And, you know, like, it's just, it's just, it's just so weird and strange. I mean, Jacob, what, what, what do you think about all this? And, and how actually, how are you holding up without any sports? I mean, is it, are you still battle wrapping yourself in the mirror or? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they're, they're actually, they're organizing quite a lot of online like video stuff, but I can't be fucked out right now. I like to do, I like to do it live, but I mean, I think you hit on something really important when you said like, these you understand how important it is but to a lot of people you know that work in hospitality it's not it's not helping them day to day they've lost their jobs they can't work and as much as they might understand that you know these measures are super important to stop the spread it also is ruining their livelihood and it's you know so it's it's fine in theory to think like yeah this is the great good but people suffer in the here and now and so it doesn't make it any easier for them but ultimately this is the only way like you look at the modeling data and it suggests that to actually really cut um like bend the curve you need to stop movement by about 80 or 90 percent you need to just stop people moving like whatever movement you do during the day whatever jobs people have to do you need to cut that out to nearly zero to stop and the, the virus will stop spreading but it's it you know that doesn't help people and i think a lot of it is a failing of government it's a failing of the system we live in that these people can't get help because a no society especially a successful society like britain or america should a month two months where you know capitalism stalls that shouldn't be suddenly the world has gone into a massive global recession there should be more safeguarding in place of the people I think Mark Cuban had a really interesting point about it when he was saying, like, we're worried about bailing out banks. We're worried about doing this and that. But he was saying um, that really what we need is this trickle up effect, that if those people who are suffering the most right now aren't given the most protection and support, then the economy will collapse. It doesn't matter what happens. If these people are spending money, the economy will recover. And I'm very personally, I'm a very left wing person probably by american standards i'm basically a communist to be honest <laughs> over the, over here i'm just you know a social democrat but um to american standards i am like super commie red scare bastard but i'm just i'm really shocked by and the governmental responses from both of our countries and i think we have the worst people in charge to deal with this and yeah i'm just kind of you just got to deal with it. I mean, I'm fine. That's the difference because I work in the public sector. My missus works in a charity. She, you know, then we're not working in profit driven organizations where people are being furloughed. So we're fine. It's like you people, you guys know who are working in private sector. They're the ones who are really going to suffer from this. And they're the ones who might have their feelings of anger at their situation be misplaced onto maybe a governor who's just following the scientific guidelines rather than on the system which is failing them on a national that's level a, that's a great way to put it um you know i, I think mis misplacing i think that's that's that is a lot of what's going on um and the frustration is understandable and you know like you said I, i'm kind of the same way like i'm i'm okay and i think that does maybe i'm a little bit naive because of that um because my my situation is is pretty comfortable um you know, I'm, I, it's, it's, it's got, it's boring. Like that's the worst thing I can say about, about yeah. the last five yeah. weeks or whatever, is that it's just been a little bit boring. Um, but you know, that, um, I think like I mentioned on, on last week's podcast, um, you know, I'm just trying to make the most of it and, uh, and, and kind of get better as a person, um, you know, and I think this, maybe this will tie into what the point I wanted to make about the NBA, um, 
you know, I think that's going to be the story with a lot of people is some people are going to come out of this thing a much better person, much better at something. Maybe they uh, maybe they devoted this time to to eating healthier or to physical fitness um, or read a, read a bunch of books, learned a lot of new things. Um, for me, um, wait for it as a writer. Uh, <laughs> I, I see a, um, a, a, a great opportunity to improve in that regard. Um, but then there's going to be other people that go to complete shit during this time, whether it's, you know, depression um, or something like that, which is entirely natural considering the circumstances or um, just, you know, eating the, the worst foods imaginable or turning into alcoholics or, um, you know, there's there's a lot of bad. that, And, and I think that's going to. That's going to be what happens here is, is some people are really going to be better for this and some people are going to come out a lot worse. And I could see that happening in the NBA as well. Not to those extremes, yeah. um, but I think there's going to be some players that uh, that let themselves go during this time. And we don't know how long this absence is going to be um, at right now, but it's safe to assume it's going to go for at least a couple more months. It's already been going for a month and a half or whatever. Um, so it's almost certain that it's going to be a, a much longer break um, from basketball than we usually get. And not to mention that um, that break is going to be happening. You know, these players aren't going to have the advantages of uh, their team facilities and their training staffs and their personal trainers and their nutritionists. For the most part, um, a lot of these guys are going to be essentially on their own. And, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I have this sense that, you know, and, and this will, depending on the the length of this this break from basketball, I think this has the potential to really shake up the hierarchy of the NBA. Like, I think there are guys right now, and you know, obviously, I, naming names would be pure irresponsible speculation. But there are guys right now that are probably say top twenty five players. When we come back, they might not be top seventy five, um, and there are guys right now that might not be top hundred that are busting their ass right now that, that have access to, um, to a good gym or, or, you know, or a basketball court and are just using it to the fullest that are, that are motivated. I know those guys are out there that are going to take advantage of this, just like with, you know, with all this economic uncertainty, most people, a lot of people are are really hurting and a lot of people are going to go broke because of this, but then there's going to be those people, those opportunists that use this time to buy up cheap stocks or to make smart decisions, um, to buy up real estate, whatever. And they, they come out of this, um, at an advantage. And I, I think that that translates to the NBA. And I think we could see some guys really ascend when we, whenever we come back to basketball, I think there's going to be at least a couple of guys that, you know, were kind of afterthoughts before that, um, that have put themselves into the conversation as, you know, maybe even potential all-stars. And then I think there's going to be the opposite effect for, you know, several guys that we think highly of right now that maybe go the, the route that Sean Kemp went during the, the, the lockout season um, <laughs> where he just came in fat and out of shape. Like that's, it's going to happen to some degree to some guys. And I, I just think that's something that hasn't been talked yeah. about a lot um, that could be pretty interesting. Just the on-court product that results from this. Well, it also, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, just thinking about legacy of some people. I mean, just look at LeBron James. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm usually a pretty optimistic person. I think, that, I mean, you guys that have known me in that group for, for a long time, like I like, I'm basically to me, everything's a joke and I, I do get serious every <laughs> now and then, but I mean, but like, I can't see, I mean, I was just talking, you know, whether I'm talking with my friends or I'm talking with my neighbors, like, you know, we have, here's a, here's a hashtag humble break for you. Like I have. I have buck season tickets. I have Packer season tickets and we have a small, a small pack of brewer season tickets. I mean, just, and obviously like I'm, I'm, I think basketball is going to, I just think they're, I don't know how they're going to be able to bring it back, but even, you know, football is the one that kind of has gotten the timing could not have been better for football. Right. I mean, you know, the NFL draft is, is coming up on Thursday. I, I predict a record number of people are going to watch it just because we've been so deprived of sports for however many long, but even if, you know, let's just say hypothetically, hypothetically football can come back in, in the fall. And Jacob, I'm sorry, I should clarify that's American football. <laughs> but I mean, like my, my, my dad and I were talking and he's in, he's in his, his sixties. I mean, is, is he going to want to, are we going to want to go up to Lambeau field with 83,000 people all packed in there and watch a game? I mean, are we going to want to go down, let's say like basketball can come back. I mean, am I going are we going to be able to go fill the Pfizer forum of 16, 17, 18, 18,000 people 
to watch a basketball game. And I just think like all the, I, I think watching a game without fans is just, I mean, I don't, I understand that we need sports and, and sports can do it, but just think of the effect that that has on all these players. I mean, how is it going to affect the Lakers? How to affect, you know, the Clippers, the Bucks, and, and the, the 76ers, just mm-hmm. things like that. And you think about like LeBron's run here. I mean, he's got, I mean, Bill Simmons, he talks about it all the time. I mean, he's in, I can't even remember what year he's been in. I know it's been 2003. Jacob, you're the smart one. Do the, do, do the, do the math for me on that one. But all the minutes that he has, he has <laughs> on his legs, you know, how is that, how is that going to affect him? You know, is he even going to, this isn't a hot take. This isn't in like the A block of first take or anything. There's another Russillo shout out for you guys. So like, <laughs> it, it, is, is LeBron going to come back as the same player if we pick up, you know, a year from now or however long it is? Like, how does, how does that affect the rest of his career? You know, I just saw not to get Lakers fans all, all worried, even though it is funny too. I mean, Anthony Davis has put his house up for sale. Like what is, what is, what effect does that mean? You know, so you start without sports. I think our minds just start, we, we're going to look into even more so than we did before every little thing that we did. And I just, I just think it's, it's crazy. Like I remember, you know, like I know we were kind of talking about, you know, the government's role in this. And, and I kind of brought up the media a little bit and just little things that, that that's going on now. I, I do think, you know, there's certainly some media, whether you're, you know, you're far right, Fox news, far left MSNBC, like you kind of know what viewpoint you're getting. And, you know, you have to go through six different channels to get the correct information. And it's one of the reasons why I stand so hard for Joe Rogan, because, you know, he's going to, he's going to let Bernie Sanders go on there and maybe they disagree a little bit, but I'm, it's going to be civil and I can learn something from it. And he just had, you know, a big Republican Dan Crenshaw on the other day that I listened to. And, you know, you just, these, the, there, there's different ideas, but like they actually get along and things like that. But, you know, just, just basketball related. I, I wanted to mention this, uh, you know, with, with the, the last dance that's coming out and you have Ramona Shelbourne come out and I'm just going to, going to read a tweet from you. That is, that is like not, it, it, it's true, but like it doesn't take the context of anything. And this is just what we have to look forward to right now. And it goes for two decades, footage, footage from the Bulls last dance set in a vault in Secaucus, New Jersey. Michael Jordan controlled the rights and w- wasn't ready to make a documentary. But on the day of the Cavs championship parade in 2016, he finally said yes. And that is like you, you read that headline and, you know, I'm sure LeBron fans are going to be like, oh, Michael Jordan's worried about his legacy. That's why he agreed to this. But what? What it doesn't what what it doesn't tell you is all how they've tried making this documentary before and like Jordan didn't like didn't like the people that were producing it. I know there was a chance he was going to go do thirty for thirty real quick and that didn't work. And he actually I actually read the article and some other stuff. I mean, the, one of the guys that did it I think worked with Allen Iverson and Jordan like saw that documentary and like really liked him. But his handlers had to trick him into doing to having this meeting with this guy and it just it just ended up happening to fall on that date. And I don't know. It's just, it's just like, you know, with no sports on, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're focusing on, you know, Oh, Jordan did this because LeBron won his ring, which you know, it's just, it's just not true. And I just, I don't know. I, it's just, I'm over it. I'm over the politics. I'm over the media of it. I just, I just want sports back. That there's my rant for you guys today. There, there, there it is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that is, it's a very on brand. I remember, realizing that he did an interview. I can't remember who the interviewer was, but it was about why he came back to Washington. And he was saying about how he felt like in the two, three years he'd been retired, probably two years at the time, he felt like people were beginning to forget how good he was. And he felt like he still had it. So he was like, I need to come back and show you young guys what to do. And listening to Zach Lowe interviewing Jackie McMullen, the latest podcast they did, she was saying the same thing about him in like, 94 95 when she went down to birmingham it was, birmingham it Barons, was. i think it was to um speak just yeah that's look at you to, it today, <laughs> to speak i know to speak to um jordan he was basically she was asking him like will you come back and he was basically saying i don't have anything more to prove to barkley guys like that drexler i feel like i own them but he apparently she didn't name names but she said there was a list of the new rookies the new first second year third year players that you know, Jordan wanted to feel, wanted to show them that I'm the guy. Like he still had that motivation. So I think whether it's true or not, whether it's just coincidence, it's very on brand for Jordan to feel like he's very conscious of his legacy. He's very conscious of being number one, and it is. Yeah, I just think it's on brand for him to see that happen and to that be whether he was at ninety eight percent and that pushed him over the top 
or if that was a huge deciding factor, I think it played a role. I do too. I definitely, I agree. I think that's, I think it's on brand on brand for Jordan. And um, like you said, and I don't, I don't see it as a coincidence. I, I just, I couldn't interpret it that way. You know, it's like, it's almost like the way he played, yeah. like when a game was starting to get out of hand, like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm going to put the clamps down. I'm going to, I'm going to unleash something special on y'all. And it's like, it almost feels like it was that same way. Like, yeah. all right, this LeBron hype is getting a little out of hand. Like re- let's release the footage. <laughs> and, and, and I love it. And, and that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't disagree with that. I, I'm just saying from like, I'm just coming at it like as a, as a, as a frustrated sports fans right now, like, you know, because you know if, if if first take was on right now or first things first or whatever, be like, oh, Jordan LeBron. Like, dude, I, I just want to sit and get some popcorn tonight and watch this last dance and 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 just and just learn a lot. Like I'm I'm really, really excited about it. And actually what even got me more excited, did you guys listen happen to listen to um Mike Breen was on with Zach Lowe uh, a couple days ago and I finally got around to listening to it. And it, the stories that Mike I mean Mike Breen, Jacob I'm not sure well you you Probably well, maybe you do know this, but he's obviously been ABC's guy. He worked at TNT, but his first year was in radio with the Knicks was in 1994. So I mean, he you know he he had you know oh, that wow. that series where the Knicks were up two games to nothing, and Jordan just basically you know took their hearts out. And it, it, it's it's fun it's fun to hear that stuff from guys like Mike Breen and guy and you know women like Jack McMullen, people that have been around the league for so long. I'm just really curious. I want to hear what they have to say about the comparisons between, you know, LeBron and Jordan or Jordan and Kobe, you know, whoever it is. Like, I'm really, really excited to learn that part. Maybe hear some stuff that we haven't heard before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever happens, I just want to sit back and enjoy it because the way people talk about it, it's so hyped up. They're like, I mean, people were saying just based on the footage before it even been edited and they got a director and stuff they were like this is going to win an oscar this is just this footage is spectacular so if even if they just do it a, a, an average service to the footage it's still going to be it's, it's going to be it it's going to be sick like I, I i know brett i know you're really excited jacob yeah. i know you're excited i i i personally can't wait and i i think it's just it's going to be i'm really really you know shout out to espn for releasing this thing early because i think that we're all you know, I in, in, on my whiteboard at work, I have this saying. Um, it's it's meant to be a joke, but you know, it's basically like I think I'm losing my mind because it's like it's like I you know you go to work, you come home, and it's like there's, there's no sports, there's nothing. I got below deck, and that's about it. That's all I look forward to every Monday. It's below deck. <laughs> there's nothing else. So I'm I'm really really excited about that. But I know, I know one thing that you guys wanted to to kind of talk about, and I know we're not going to do a, a deep deep dive for for all the NBA draft people out there, but I mean, kind of, kind of how that's playing and what's going on with that. Because I know, like, like I said, I go down to, to Vegas for March madness every year, just, just to gamble, you know, drink a lot of alcohol um, and, and just watch games all day. And, and I'm just, I know we've kind of talked, you know, separately, not on a podcast and how this is going to affect things. I mean, we've already kind of heard from on, on a Bill Simmons podcast that the draft is going to get pushed back to maybe August or September. I mean, we had news that I know um, Jalen Green decided not to go to the NCAA. He's going to the G League. So just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on some of this stuff that's going on, Brett. I mean, I know you're the – again, this isn't going to be a deep dive. We're not doing – I know no one's probably really prepped for it, so I, I'm not putting you on the spot here or anything. But just kind of kind of, what are your thoughts with that? Like, what, where do you see, like, the G League going? Are more people going to go to the G League? Uh, is is – is college. I mean, I, and there's a lot of unknowns too, as we just said, I mean, we're, I know we're talking about the professional leagues, but how does this affect the NCAA, you know, when they're and people going to games and things like that. So, so Brett, what, what do you kind of, what do you kind of think? Start it, start us off here. Sure. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of variables um, with just everything surrounding the draft right now, a lot of moving parts, um, a lot of uncertainty, however you want to term it. Um, you know, a lot of things dependent on one another. Um, things that we don't have answers to at this point, you know? So yeah, that's the draft is scheduled for in the last week of June, as always, I think still technically now, but nobody really expects that to happen. Um, and like, yeah, I had heard Bill Simmons maybe mention August, but who knows? The, the thing is like, you can't have a draft without a draft order. 
And if there's a chance that this season mm-hmm. is go- the regular season, at least is going to resume, which is something that hasn't been ruled out yet. Um, then we don't have an idea of even the draft order until that happens. So that's, that's a big domino that needs to fall, you know, is what's going to happen at least with the rest of the regular season, because even if, if they were to be able to say now, like, look, we're the regular season is gone. We're going to try to resume, you know, as soon as possible, but it's just going to be the playoffs. At least then they could say, okay, now we can determine the draft order. Um, But then even with that, like, you know, what do you do with the draft order? Do you just, do you, um, do you go by the standings right now as they were, or do you potentially adjust the draft order based on, rest of season strength of schedule like if you look you know like think about it like if you look at some of these teams like yeah, um yeah. i don't know it's weird because it, it's like you know you don't want to encourage tanking obviously but um but the the strength of schedule varies quite a bit with with a lot of these lottery teams so you know it's like they could just take the go based off the the current standings but then some teams are gonna be like hey we were we were about to lose a bunch of games like we had a we had a tough little stretch coming up here like <laughs> can we get so so even even that um it, is a little uncertain but i think the i think the big thing overall with the draft is is it's just going to be completely um dependent on um what happens with the rest of the nba season if and when it resumes um you know or you know if they were to just completely say in the next um couple of weeks they were to say look we're we don't see any way we can we can finish this nba season um it's we we need to just call it if they do that they could in theory um keep the draft the entire draft process the the way it it normally would be at least in terms of the dates and and have it in late june and then um you know the other thing is you can't have you kind of have to start free agency after the draft so you could keep free agency on schedule and just move forward um like that but you know we're not going to we're not going to have an idea of how this this process is going to play out on, until we know what's what's going on with the rest of the NBA season and obviously that's the the great mystery uh right now in our our little corner of sports yeah yeah, I mean, I mean, you touched on the um, the free agency, and I think that's a whole other domino to fall. Because what do you do if you're a player coming into free agency this year, and you think, and there's reports, you know, with the what they call it, the Daryl dip from China, plus whatever the fuck is going to happen here, you don't do you just sign a one year deal for as much as you can get, and just kind of play it by ear, not knowing what's going to happen to the market. Like, there's a lot of players right now that are in free agency this year that might be entering it next year you know, play, player options that originally they were going to turn down. Now, are you going to turn down a $27 million player option when you have no clue what's going to happen to the salary cap going forward? And that that's an entire, that even beyond the draft, that's just an entirely different thing that, you know, God well, knows what's going Jacob, to happen. Jacob, that's, that's, that's a great but point, though. One, I just want to kind of cut in on the, the economic factor about it. I mean, you look at the big free agents, I mean, Giannis was eligible to sign his his massive extension at at this summer. Actually, I mean, how does I don't even I haven't looked at any of the financials or anything like that, so I don't want to speak out of turn too much. But where are these like not only the the Milwaukee Bucks, but you think of other teams? Where are they going to get this money to sign these guys? I mean, we even even you have someone like like Anthony Davis as well. I mean, there's like I said, there's no there's no ticket sales coming in there's no i mean the ad revenue there's no one's watching these games i mean and i know they just kind of agreed to um a little bit of 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 a pay cut or something like that but you know it ties into to what we were we were kind of talking about with the draft are are we going to see more players or high school players whose families were hit by this financially are they just going to go to the g league and maybe sign a small contract just to get money for their families i think i think not enough people or maybe this will continue as as the situation uh, prolongs, but I think the economic impact is going to affect a lot of players' decisions more so than we realize. So I, I'm sorry to cut you off, Jacob. Uh, go go ahead, kind of kind of finish your thought on that. No, no, yeah, um, no, yeah. I mean, to build on that, I mean, I was sh- um, shocked when I saw. I can't. It was like 25 to 33 percent of players kind of live paycheck to paycheck almost because they have such outgoings and they spend so much money and, but the amount of money, their income is so high that they just kind of, they're able to live in this kind of really narrow zone from each paycheck. And that is kind of just, you know, 
the amount of players that we, we think about them as they're basketball players, they're going to make basketball decisions. At this point, I don't think any of them are going to really be making decisions about basketball or thinking about legacy or thinking about what we as fans think about when we think about the NBA. They're gonna, they are human beings, and this is only going to you know, make that more obvious that they need to make these economic decisions for themselves and their families. And they may not be decisions we as NBA fans would want them to make. But that's just I, I agree. Now. And I mean, I, I have, it's, we can speculate and I'm glad that we are. And it's fun to speculate, but I think that we would, all three of us would agree. I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen. I don't even know what the rules are going to be. Like, I mean, Brett, you, t- you touched on a great topic with the draft. Who knows? I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know how you would do it, but if, but if I had to, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, I think the Warriors were the only team that was officially eliminated from the playoffs. And, and you talk about strength of schedule and things like that. I mean, how are they going to kind of figure out how to do this? Number, number one with the draft order, and who's all going to come out? I mean, you these guys, I mean, if, again, I'm not them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just, I don't want to compare situations. But if I was a high school kid that was that good, you know what? Maybe I'm looking at the, the economic factor of it. Maybe I'm just going to go to the G League right away. I mean, who, who, who knows? I'm sorry. I, I meant a high school kid, not a college kid. I mean, who, who knows? I, I just, it, it, it's really fascinating. I'm not, not necessarily a, a, a good way, but you know, what the hell's going to happen? It, it, it's crazy <laughs> to me, you know, Brent, it, it's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, it is. It is. It's crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, just listening to or reading about um, Adam Silver's press conference the other day where, you know, I think in the back of everyone's minds, they were sort of hoping for a, a solution or, or, you know, at least some indication of progress. And he was just like, look, we're not in a position to make any decisions right now, and we don't know when we will be. And that's where they're at. Um, so we don't know and nobody knows. And um, to get back to what you were talking about, Steve, like, I think, you know, the, the uncertainty surrounding college basketball um, right now mirrors that of the NBA because it's a lot of the same concerns um, and issues. You know, I think when one, when one comes to a solution, the other one will too. But that uncertainty surrounding college basketball, I think, uh, will lead to a greater appeal for this G League program that Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd um, just committed to. Because for one, like you said, the um, the money, you know, they're uh, I think Jalen Green's going to get a, a, a half a million dollars for the season. Um, so that's a huge factor, obviously, um, the money. And then also it, it's a more controlled environment than than a college, you know, like, you, yeah, you, you commit to Duke or something, but you don't know when you're going to be playing. You don't know how you're going to be able to practice like there's going to be a lot of um, logistical issues. But if you're in this G League program, um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a much more controlled environment in terms of your, your training. Um, you know, there's no, uh, no obligation to play games. I think they're talking about maybe playing like 10 unofficial games against, you know, regular G League teams. But there's, you know, it, they're, they're going to be really flexible. And I think that could offer these players a much better opportunity uh, to not only to, to improve as players and also to uh, to improve their their NBA stock as opposed to college. Um, I, you know, I, I think for a lot of reasons, this this new G League dynamic could could really change everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll just bring in because obviously you guys don't know about football over here, but we, you know, to the extent obviously I do growing up in it, but we have this situation as well where teams, professional teams, you know, Manchester United, Real Madrid, they have under eight teams. They, you know, from the age of about six, you can join their organization and go through their youth development schemes. And up until, I mean, and the thing is with G League, I don't think it's going to go from strength to strength because these teams aren't concerned with making money. They are being funded by the professional organizations. They're not closed. They don't need to make money out of these kids they need to develop them because that's what they're being paid to do. And that really changes the dynamic of how it goes about. Like, I know, who is it? Ajax, who are a very famous team from Holland over here, very famous for their youth development. They don't even count the scores in football games up until you're about 16 years old. They don't care whether you win or lose. They just care about how you're developing. And that's something, that's why there's a lot of teams here that we call them, you know, 
conveyor belts of talents. Like the Spurs are just conveyor, they just produce these player these players, these young players, because they have the right goals in mind in terms of developing them. And I think the G League is going to play out if they the NCAA does go up against it in terms of player development. I don't think there's going to be a contest because just from a philosophical standpoint, the G League is coming at it from a developmental position and the NCAA wants to make money. In the long run, it's going to be a Um, no contest win for the G League. Yeah, I agree for some of the smaller players, but I think for some of the bigger players, just to kind of push back on that a little bit, I mean, I I fully agree. You know, Zion Williamson, he would not be Zion without going to Duke. I mean, mean, you know, all those games, Jacob, I'm not sure how much – uh, college basketball there is um, over where you are. But, I mean, it was it was a spectacle every time that guy played. I, I mean, it, it, it really was. I know, Brett, you, you've probably seen that too. I'm not sure. I mean, Zion's probably still – he's still going to probably be the number one pick. I mean, if he goes someplace else or if he goes to the G League or however, however that works. But, I mean, he was – he is the biggest thing right now since LeBron James came out in 2003. I mean, just the – the media hype that follows him, the, the the ESPN, the the hype that surrounds that whole thing, the hype train and all that. I still think that there is there's an advantage to going to college. Obviously, you know, they whether they talk about paying their players or however they want to do it, but I mean those those brands are still whether it's Duke, whether it's Kentucky, whether it's North Carolina, even UCLA to to a degree, even though their star has dimmed a little bit. I, I still think the opportunity to make a, a shit ton of money is there if you go to college for one year and then go then kind of make that jump to the NBA. I do still think that, but I do agree with you on kind of like the smaller players. Like the, I mean, I, when did this happen? You probably when, when Brandon Jennings first did that, he decided to go play overseas before he, instead of going to college and then get drafted. And you see kind of LaMelo ball kind of do the same thing going to Australia. I do think that that is, more and more of the top high school recruits are going to be doing that until, you know, the NCAA can kind of, can kind of get their, their shit together, so to speak, and, and correct the, the one and done rule that they have there. I mean, Brett, kind of what, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I do think it's starting to snowball a little bit. Um, you know, you had, um, you know, from, you had LaMelo and, uh, and RJ Hampton, um, from last year's class, um, forego college for the, for the NBL, which is a really good, uh, really good league and underrated league. God, if you watch those games, I mean, they're going up against some good competition. They've got a lot of players over there. So shout out to the NBL. I know people talk about it like it's a low level of competition, but, but it's really not, man. That's, that's, it, it's that's not. Some... And just, just, just to Rusillo humble break that, I mean, they're going, they're going up against some grown ass men over there. Some grown ass men over there. You hear that? You hear that all the time when, when someone goes and plays uh, overseas. It's some grown, some grown men they're, and, they're and playing the, against professionals over there. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, the, and the NBL is no different in that sense. And then, um, and then you look at the class of 2020. These guys, um, Jalen Green is the number one ranked player, I believe, and uh, I think Isaiah Todd is is top ten. And I actually almost like him more than Green as a prospect. But um, to have those guys, and this G League thing is new. Um, and I, I just it is it just sounds like such an appealing option for the reasons Jacob talked about. I think that was a yep. really good point about just the yeah. the philosophy of it coming from a, de- a player development standpoint. But then, Steve, you brought up an interesting point about sort of the hype factor that like if, say, this had been available last season and say Zion had gone this route instead of going to Duke, um, would he have had the same hype? Yes, he still would have been the number one pick. I'm sure his talent is undeniable. It's not like it would have been hidden. But um but but a lot of guys do make their names in college basketball and almost like some lesser guys too like you know whether it's clutch shooting or um you know they that maybe they're just their games work really well in that environment and they and they their stock you know is 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 helped because of it so i think a lot of it is like player specific and i mean this g league option is not going to be for everybody um it's going to be i think I think essentially you're going to have to be able to compete at a G League level. I mean, you're going to be playing against those guys, whether or not the games count. So, you know, your average college player isn't going to just be able to jump to the G League and make hundreds of thousands of dollars and do this. It's going to be a, a, a select relative few. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think their college basketball is still going to be really beneficial to a lot of guys. And it's still going to be awesome to college basketball fans. Um, like March Madness is still going to be awesome, even if these top tier guys aren't there. Uh, it'll, it, there's still a place for it. I think assuming everything 
kind of stays the way it has been, people will still watch it. March Madness will still be wild. It's still going to – the majority of players are still going to be coming out of college. But for those top-tier guys, the, the Isaiah Todds and the Jalen Greens, um, I, I just – this G League just seems like far and away a, a better option for a number of reasons. Would you guys here – let me ask – you know, Jacob, you, you can answer this first, and then, Brett, I want to hear your thoughts on this. What, would you guys change the one and done rule in college? And if you could change it, what would you, what would you change it to? Oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd just get rid of it. I don't think there should be any restrictions on what you can do, especially you get to 18. I know you've got certain laws about, you know, when you reach adulthood, if you can work and you can make money doing anything, you shouldn't be hindered from making money doing what is ultimately your job, what you're being, you're going there to do. And just to push back a bit on your college made Zion or not college made Zion, but it provides a platform for them to showcase their skills. Obviously it does, but it's a, it's a real chicken and egg thing. I mean, Zion going to the G league, I think will cameras just follow the star, you know, does the stage make him a star or does that star make the stage important? And that's, I think, you know, we can't really be certain which side is more important on that. But I think no matter where Zion, particularly where Zion went, he would have drawn cameras to him. He would have, if he'd been doing what he'd been doing in any league in the sure, world, he sure. would have drawn attention I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that. I mean, he definitely would have been. But I would, my counter to that would be, it would not have been as high if it was at Duke, Coach K. I mean, you, you think of... I mean, college basketball, the, the first two teams you think of is Duke and Kentucky. Yeah, and, and probably you could maybe make a case for North Carolina. And like I said, um, UN, uh, not UNLV, I'm sorry, UCLA. But, I mean, that Duke, Duke rolls his stock up to LeBron James level hypeness. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I don't know what, what I would do. Brad, I want to I hear your thoughts on this as well. I I go back and forth on this. I, I don't think there should be a one and done rule. I do think like, if you want to go, I thought this before the G league came and I, I, I think I've kind of changed my tone, but I, I think like if you, if you're in high school and you want to jump to the NBA, go do it. But if you're going to go to college, I, I almost think that you, you, you have to be there for two years. Um, that's, that's just my whole thing. And I, I thought about that before the G league. And I'm wondering if both of you guys could maybe, changed my mind about that with the G league. Like, I think I just personally need to see more from the G league, obviously a little bit, but I mean, I think that there's a lot of really, 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 really good college coaches out there that, that, you know, the the NCAA in theory should be the greatest development league the NBA has. And for a long time it was. And then once kind of the Kevin Garnett's, the Kobe Bryant's came in, you know, that there was just a lot of bad, basketball in the NBA. I mean, the, the NBA really suffered a little bit with the lack of development. And I'm just, I want to hear your guys' guys' thoughts on that. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to get into the political world. Should players be paid in the NCAA? Because that, that last, that could last two hours in itself. Yeah. Right? But I mean, just from, if we're talking strictly <laughs> developmental, yeah. Yeah. I mean, would you rather go to the NCAA? Would you rather go to G League? I mean, what, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, um, I mean, in, like, yeah, I, I, I never, I was never a fan of the the one and run, the one and done rule. Excuse me, um, especially not now. Um, I don't. I, I think just having these guys be forced to go to this sort of um, token year of college, this kind of fake year of, you know, it's like we all know they're not, they're not re- really going to classes. It's just like this little hurdle to get to the NBA, and I, I've never liked that approach. And I think the the argument, you know, for the in favor of the one and done rule. Um, was guys that came to the league out of high school that uh, really struggled, you know, like in the late nineties and the early two thousands um, you had guys like, uh, like Corleone young um, Leon Smith, um, you know, that, that Lang kid um, Robert Swift, guys like that, that just really weren't prepared uh, for the NBA life, um, you know, and, and, and also the, you know, the, the end, end level of the NBA game. But I think things have changed a lot in that respect. Um, these guys are are handled a lot more cautiously now. Um, they're a lot uh, much better prepared than they were back in the late '90s. I mean, those guys like like Robert Swift and Leon Smith and everybody they were just they were just thrown into the league and basically you know there wasn't a lot of um, a lot of structure around them in terms of you know protecting them with their their financial decisions and 
um, what they did after after games and all that. And a lot of those guys really went off the rails. There's some really tragic stories. So I think there is, uh, mm-hmm. there is. And, and Brett, I, I want you. Do you remember? Um, I th- I want to say it was William Avery. Do you remember him? Yeah, that, Duke. That when he went to Duke, and he was like this. He 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 was awesome, and he he was one of the first players for Duke to like leave. He left early. I think I want to say he stayed two years. I could be wrong on that, but I know it was him and Corey McGetty, I want to say as well, but I really liked William Avery and he got to Minnesota and he just completely, you know, flamed out. And that was like, that was a big, a big thing back there when, when he did that. And I think Corey McGetty and I want to, I, I think Elton Brand maybe was in there too, but I, I, I don't know how many years he stayed there, but I mean, like, I really liked William Avery in college and he go, he went to, to Minnesota. And like I said, he just flamed out. I mean, I don't even think he lasted. I don't even think he had a four or five year career in the end. No, 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 he wasn't, he wasn't ready. Um, but you know, maybe we're at the point now where we've had enough, uh, cautionary tales to sort of, you know, know how to uh, avoid, um, those outcomes, whether it's the, the pre-draft process, like, you know, scouts and, uh, teams being able to identify that, look, this kid's not ready as a basketball player, or, you know, if the kid's talented enough and gets to the league, um, they've got programs now to, you know, to, um, to teach these kids, you know, the, the right way to go about things. They've got veterans. Um, they've got, um, you know, what do they call it? Like the rookie transition program, I think. Things that didn't exist back then. So, but it, it, to go back to the G League real quick, I think the G League represents the perfect, um, the perfect happy medium between, you know, jumping straight to the league um, from high school and, and being forced to, you know, go to this joke year of college, you know, this, this Ben Simmons yeah. LSU year or whatever. Um, I think the, I think this G league thing is, is perfect because they can, they can make some money. It's focused on development. Uh, it's going to prepare them specifically for the NBA. Um, and, you know, I, I hate to say that academics are a, a distraction or a, um, a, a, a say that they're a bad thing in any way, but that is part of the equation when these kids are at college, like they technically do have to, go to class and like there's um everything's sort of based around that because you know it's it is it is college so um you know to just to just forego that you know we're they know they're going to the nba i think this is a better environment than than that one that one silly year of college i i agree man and and it's not um it, it's not ben simmons's fault about the lsu thing and i i don't blame ben simmons for it at all but that was a joke man i mean that was that was a complete joke you knew he didn't want to be there you knew he was going to go pro after one year it was just i mean like i said lsu didn't even make the the ncaa tournament it it was just the the entire thing was just it was just bullshit as as a college basketball fan like it it sucks you know because i'm torn on this everything jacob that you said and brett i i agree with you guys about what the g league could be and i'm 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 just i'm really you know disheartened with the ncaa you know whether it's paying players and how much money they make off of these kids. And these kids don't get, I mean, they don't get anything, you know, if they wanted to sign autographs, they can't make any money on their likeness, which is just, mm-hmm. which is just bullshit. I know I said, I didn't want to get into an NCAA rant and, and, and here I go, but, <laughs> but you know, I mean, the, the NCAA in theory should be the greatest <laughs> minor league sport, you know, we have in, in, in American sports. I mean, it really, we're never going to be able to touch, you know, what, what Jacob said with, with football over in Europe. But I mean, like here, like the NCAA, whether it's for football, it's the greatest development league, and that's why there there there, there hasn't been another another you know kind of NFL league. I know the XFL just just kind of folded up shop, but you know for for basketball, it should be that good for them, and it's just it's just not. And and I I don't I don't have the right answer for it. And I do think you know if if ten years from now, if you were to tell me that more the NCAA basketball doesn't even doesn't even exist because all these players are going to the G league. I would not be surprised with that at all. I, I, I really wouldn't. No. And well, got a few points to touch on one point. that is something I want to look into in the future. And you guys mentioned it about the young players coming out, but actually when you look at the numbers, I've only done this for number one picks. And I think that really skews it. And I'll touch on why, but actually the, the actually, the younger you are, the more likely you are to succeed as a number one pick. The older you are, the less likely you are. And I think a lot of that skews at, at the number one pick because you look at the youngest ones, it's, you know, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Ben Simmons. These, you know, you knew when they were 16, these guys are special. 
they, it doesn't matter. They could, they, a lot of them could have played NBA games at 17. LeBron certainly could have. I'm sure Magic at you know, 18 years old could have stepped on an NBA court and done just fine. And then at the other end, you have 23-year-olds like Michael Oluwakandi. You know, he was 23 years old, the number one pick. NCAA didn't help him at all. He wasn't prepared, and a lot of that's personality issues. You know, he had, I remember a story about Kareem trying to give him help, and he's like, I don't need to listen to you. I'm the number one pick. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? That's the greatest center of all time trying to help you. But a lot of the, yeah, the, the age thing, I think, doesn't bear out in the data. But I think over, if you did it for every draft pick, I think it would just about be a non-factor age, honestly. But um, I actually think this could help the NCAA because you get these guys, the guys that want to go to the NBA, like you said, Ben Simmons, it's a joke what happened with Ben Simmons. He wanted to go. He wasn't putting his all in. He was just playing the game. He, he said, like, you know, one semester, and then he never went to another <laughs> class again because mm-hmm. that's how little he gave a fuck about it. He's just there, he's just there to get to number one pick whereas i think if the ncaa allowed 18 year olds to go then you go to college like you're saying you're there for a much longer period you're you're there because you couldn't step onto an nba court tomorrow you're there because you will stay for two three four years and then the fans will develop more of an attachment to teams and it might it might get less star power but i think it will become a stronger communal feel among the teams where you know these teams. It's not like you get a new, fresh five, 18-year-olds every year that are going to come through as one and done. You're going to get a good class come through and stay there for three or four years. And then maybe some of them will have developed enough to go to the league. And I think it might... It might That's, a, the that's a really money, good point. But it might make it a better yeah, product. it is. It is. I can't really disagree with you there, Jacob. That was good. All right, we're, we're going to end with this. I'm going to ask you guys a question, and then uh, we'll get out of here. I know, um, like I said, it's, it's about 1230 by me. I know... I'm going to go. I got my in-laws coming over. I'm going to go enjoy the rest of the day, maybe mix a cocktail or two. I don't know. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Brett, we'll start with you, brother. How excited are you for the MJ nice. doc tonight? Where are you watching it? How jacked are you to see this thing? I don't know if I've ever been this excited for anything else on TV. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it's up there. Like if we, if we take out like NBA playoff and finals games, this probably is the most excited I've ever been to watch anything. Um, I've been looking <laughs> forward to it for years. Like whenever that was a couple of years ago that um, whenever it was really announced that this was actually going to happen, like I've seriously been looking forward to it uh, ever since then. And um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, the, the, the thing I'm looking forward to a lot about it too, is that um, there's, hopefully um, not going to be any mention of LeBron. It's just going to be Michael Jordan. We can just enjoy Michael Jordan and not have to, you know, because (laughs) where else anymore do you hear Michael's name mentioned without LeBron's being mentioned to like, it's always this, this comparison happening, you know? And so, and and I I like that comparison and and, and it's fun to talk about sometimes. It really is, especially when, you know, people like Jacob take a a novel approach to it. Like then it, then it gets really interesting, but um, this is going to be nice because we can just enjoy Jordan um, for being Jordan um, and then, and just enjoy the footage for how great it's going to be. It's, 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 I think it's really going to be awesome. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't even know what to expect. I just know it's going to be like the best thing ever. So, so I'm hyped. I'm hyped. I'm probably, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to watch it exactly. Definitely at home. Um, I'll probably, I'm going to go to the store after this and get some, get some good food. Definitely a couple of beers. I like um, it. There we go. You no, know, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kick back. Maybe, maybe I'll utilize the guest room and, and just uh, watch it in there in total peace and quiet. And um, man, I can't wait <laughs> just talking about it. I'm like, I'm bouncing in my seat. I'm hyped. <laughs> I know I have Jacob, Jacob, what about you, brother? Where are you, are you, are you going to be able to, to watch it? Or are we gonna, I promise Brett and I won't text you if, uh, <laughs> after, after we watch right. it. <laughs> No, no, I can. I can. I actually, I thought, because obviously I don't have ESPN. The only TV we have in my house is Netflix on the computer. And I was like, I thought it was coming out today. So I thought, shit, I'm going to wake up. I'll have watched it. We're going to do the podcast. I'll have already seen it before then. And then I came down <laughs> and it it's coming out tomorrow. And I was like, for fuck's sake. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be checking it. As soon as it comes out tomorrow, I'm going to be watching it. I'm really really want to get my other half because i think it's just going to be great television and she knows literally nothing about um michael jordan she knows she was like Who's talking about michael jordan i was like oh space jam she's like oh yeah yeah that guy space jam 
like she knows nothing and I was just I think it's just going to be great just riveting television and I really want to get someone who knows literally nothing about it to sit down and get them to see that's, this that's fucking awesome man I mean I got it recorded thing. I'll probably I, I I'll wait. probably end up watching it live I mean my Mrs. Bucks and Six will, I don't know she'll probably who knows maybe she'll watch it maybe she won't but I'm I, I'm Jack man I, I can't wait I've been looking forward to this and I, I hope that my one takeaway from this is, and I'm sure we'll get into this in the, in the, in the next podcast, is I hope people, you know, understand, like, the, just the context of what that season was and how much pressure there was. I mean, they, they were the, – the closest thing that I can, that I can relate, it to, relate it to to people that didn't see Michael Jordan was you thought the hype was real or was very big when LeBron and D. Wade and Chris Bosh teamed up in Miami. This documentary, I mean, th- it'll show you the hype was about ten times more – than what that was. And I, I'm excited to see that. I'm just, I hope, I hope everyone comes away just being like, damn, that dude was like you said, Jacob, what do you say? He's an assassin and he's a psychopath and he, he wanted to win at all costs, but um, that's going to do it for us yeah. today. Um, Brett, I uh, really appreciate you jumping on. I know, I know we started at about nine 30 by you. Um, same with you, I, Jacob. I mean, no you got you're probably loving this because it's, it's not late at night and we're uh, you know, you can, there's still sunlight yeah. out. So, um, Appreciate that, guys. Um, we're gonna we're gonna drop yeah. this our usual one on on Monday at ten a.m. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also have another one that we recorded over the weekend. Not sure when we're gonna drop that one, but we also um we we're talking we're gonna get together and we're probably gonna do a little bit of a of a review of of the last dance and kind of just give our thoughts on the, on the first two episodes. So um for everyone else, stay safe. Uh, Brett, you you enjoy the rest of your day. I, I know where you'll be. Um kind of at 7 p.m. specific time or Pacific or 6 p.m. whenever it is. And, and Jacob, you as well. We'll, we'll catch in with you tomorrow <laughs> and, and kind of see how you guys liked it. So, all right, guys, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Talk yeah. soon. All right, later, bros. All right, bye. Yeah, come Bye. On. Yeah.